Wildcat fans to the Weber State Weekly Game Day Show. It is week four of action for the Weber State Wildcats. Today, they will be taking on UC Davis at 6 p.m. at Stewart Stadium. I'm your host for the show today, Dustin Chapman. Along with me, I have my colleague, Sean Lewis. Hey, Chappie, how are you going doing today? Man, I'm excited, Sean. You know why? One, we have football, but two, we get to recap the JMU game, and you and I were not on the podcast this week at all. <laughs> so the takes have been festering all week, and I, and I think they're just kind of going to come out of us is what I, I think is going to happen. I got some things to say. I, I got some things to say about JMU. Awesome. Uh, Weaver's performance against JMU, not against JMU specifically. They were great. Beautiful. Well, we are going to do that. The first thing we're going to do is recap JMU. Then we're going to talk about our upcoming opponent tonight, UC Davis. Uh, also give just a little bit of a recap of the week that was in the weekly press conference. And then we will talk about the Big Sky games. So we will jump on with that. But first, do have to remind you that all Weber State Weekly content is brought to you by wildcatrack.com. Make sure that you go to their website. Hopefully you got your blackout shirt last week from Wildcat Rack. Uh, there will be some more items coming out there. So be sure to check them out. Your officially licensed Weber State gear provider, wildcatrack.com. And while we're at it, be sure to follow us on social media. I am not the best at having all the scripting for where we're at on social media, but we're there. Weber State Weekly. You know where to find us by now. <laughs> so with that, I want to just jump in, Sean. We're going to talk about um, about JMU. There's a few things that we have to say, um, but I want to start out really by um, by really just highlighting what the coaches and the players had to say this week, right? I think that might be the best place. There was a lot of content week. Of course, everybody had quite a few things to say. So why don't we just start there? Let's start with Coach Hill's initial comments at the weekly presser this week on Tuesday, and we can just give our reactions to that. We knew we kind of let one get away. We were playing so good for a while in the first half in that game. Defense gave up 109 yards in the first half total, and then 38 in the fourth quarter. We just we had a pretty good letdown after that pretty crucial fumble, and then we just kind of went haywire for about. 15 minutes and then played really good the first quarter and the third quarter or the fourth quarter. So anyway, uh, yesterday was a little bit of a downer. And then I thought today was absolutely fabulous practice. So Sean Lewis, do you agree with, uh, with coach Hill's initial assessment? I think his initial assessment was, was fair. Uh, you know, I, I listened to the post game show that they had on the radio after Saturday night. And, and on Saturday he was saying, this is a one play game. And that one play was a 96 yard fumble return recovery, uh, scoop and score by JMU. Um, we've been hyping about this for quite a while about the red zone problems that Weber state has had, uh, both in the spring season and here. Um, I think the, uh, main problem though, and I, I don't want to bury uh, a kid who's doing the best he can at, at his position. Um, but I, I, the question that I have for the coaches is really what do they see in, in Randall Johnson as, as the starter um, that the fans aren't seeing? And then frankly, it, it comes down to this. You look at the NAU game in the spring uh, where, you know, it just looked like he wasn't making good decisions and couldn't, couldn't get out of his own way. And we won that game on a Hail Mary. And then he comes back. His next start was against JMU, top 10 team, coming into to Stewart Stadium, a great, great game. And again, that whole first half looked like the offense was stuck in the mud and and making poor decisions. And, and you see the difference in the first half and the second half when they brought in uh, Weiser. Uh, that made all the difference. And, and the passes were crisper. The, the, the offense seemed to go a little bit better. I've got drive charts here up in front of me. Uh, in the first half, Weber State had the ball, uh, we'll call it uh, seven drives, um, and we got a field goal, and that's it, right? Uh, in the second half, we had five drives and three touchdowns. The proof is in the pudding, and and Randall Johnson has all the talent in the world, but when, when you hand him the keys to the offense, it just sputters. And, and, and I need to know 
as a fan, uh, I need to know what the coaches see in practice that we're not seeing in game action. Um, and that fumble, you know, for my position, and I think this, the, the video uh, will confirm this on that fumble. It almost looked like Randall was trying to spit the ball back to avoid the sack and hoping that a, a running back or somebody would be behind him. Sadly, there was nobody behind him and, and that went 96 yards. So um, I think that the, unfortunately we've got injuries. We all want Bronson Barron who who's played, played well, but uh, I, if I'm the coaches this week and based on what I've seen again, and, and I'm, I'm being very, very clear about this. I haven't seen what goes on in practice, but from what I've seen, a stripped down playbook with, with Weiser seems to run a whole lot more efficiently than a full playbook with Randall Johnson. Wow. Yeah. Um, a couple things there. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know. I want to say I have some sympathy for Randall Johnson. <laughs> Number one on that, on that fumble play, I thought he was, he was trying to still complete the handoff is, is what I think was happening. Right. He was, he was trying to complete the play. They had a, a running play called, he, he tripped, fumbled, and then he was trying to complete it and it just ended up poorly. But, and, and that, that fumble play really cannot be discounted because we were looking at a 10, 10 ball game, right. Heading into halftime. And all of a sudden yep. it was 17, three, and then JMU scored the first possession at a halftime. And by at that point, 24, three the game's basically over at that point. Right. So the influence or the, the hugeness, excuse my terrible English of, of, of that play really can't be discounted. That was the play of the game. Honestly, the, the, the play did the, the game did turn on that play. No doubt. The, the, the 14 point swing that that caused and, and it ends up being 21 points, as you said, when they, when they uh, score on their opening drive of the second half, I, I completely agree with you, but I mean, at, at some point, somebody's going to have to explain to me what, what they're seeing in practice. Cause I've seen two games of, of Randall Johnson. Again, he's, he's a young kid. He's got all the talent in the world. Again, I'm not trying to bury him, but I just don't see it. I had uh, Tony, uh, Tony parks uh, that called the game on wildcat radio on Saturday. Uh, he was talking after the game uh, on the post game show where about Randall Johnson was making good throws, but not the best throws. And I, and I think that that is clear. I think, I think he's, uh, what, for whatever reason is not, um, making the best decisions in real time to, to get the ball out of his hands and make, make the right throw. It feels to me like if his first read's not there, he doesn't really know where to go after that. Right. Or he's looking to run after that or something. I, and I'm with you. I, we saw this when he started the game in the spring, I believe it was against NAU. Um, it, it just, it just seems like the decision-making is, is slower than it should be. Right. But when I mentioned earlier, I had some sympathy for it. I like, there were a lot of plays there. I think the coaches knew that. And so they were trying to have like some quick throws, some three-step drop, quick pass plays. And, and, and they kept not working one because Randall Johnson was taking too long, but two, for whatever reason, it seemed like we had a lot of off snaps. They were low or they were high or they were off or whatever. And it seemed like that from the start of the play got the timing off for moment one and made it so that he couldn't make the short pass that they had called that play. And I saw that a few sure. times in the first half. Sure. And, and we've got well-documented uh, injury problems on the offensive line. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot of people out hurt and that's, that's going to be a struggle. And it's going to be a struggle against Davis tonight. 100%. In fact, let's, let's segue into just a couple of more, uh, audio clips from coach Hill. Um, first one here, let's talk about the missed opportunities. Sean, you hit on that. Let, let's talk very specifically about missed opportunities. And then we'll segue right into, uh, the QB situation and our offensive line situation that'll provide some good color and we'll we'll talk about that so let's listen to coach hill yeah we had a lot of options we had a lot of opportunities there that we missed offensively and and that that hurt i mean we i, I could think of two touchdowns that guys running wide open and we just got to get it to them and the, those hurt bad not taking advantage the couple times we had to win at our back and scoring more points i mean look 
the third quarter, we had the wind at our back and we didn't do anything with it. And actually that's when James Madison went on their run. And then in the fourth quarter, when the wind's in our face, then we played really good again. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that I thought we could do better offensively, just executing and hitting on some of the plays that were there to be made. Uh, but again, I mean, 19 first downs against James Madison is good where we, where we didn't outperform James, James Madison was, they scored one more touchdown in the red zone than we did when we got in there. And then uh, the two, the two O turnover margin was, I mean, that was huge. That was everything in that game. They got two turnovers. We didn't. So coach Hill pretty much says it there. Uh, it actually, I, I like that audio because it sounds like he, he wasn't necessarily down on the performance of the whole game. He just said it came down to just a couple of key specific things that we just didn't do well. And, and he's exactly right. And, and I, I, we made this comment in our uh, Patreon only game day Slack channel, shameless plug plug for that. If you're not getting, uh, if you're not part of that, uh, you're missing out on the best conversation during the game. But uh, it, it looked like, especially at halftime at the end of the game, if you go down the stat sheet, we were more equal to James Madison than than we were, then they just outplayed us, right? The difference was the turnovers. James Madison is actually right now, um, I believe, uh, fourth in the nation in turnover margin, um, meaning they're getting more turnovers than they're giving up in in all of FCS, fourth in the nation. You know who's tied with them, Chappie, at number four in the nation in turnover margin? UC Davis. That is exactly right, my friend. UC Davis is, is tied for fourth in the nation. So uh, now Davis, uh, a quick preview for them. They gave, they had five interceptions against Dixie state last week. So that's going to give them a boost in that margin and that ranking, but uh, they're ball Hawks and, and they're going to look for the turnovers and, and Weber state's got to hold on to the ball tonight. Uh, if, if we're going to have any chance of, of beating Davis at home. Yeah. And, and one other takeaway that I had from GMU was, with that turnover margin was that they were just, they were disciplined. Like they were, they were a very disciplined team. They just didn't make a lot of mistakes and Weber did. I mean, that's frankly kind of the difference of the game. So anyway, let's, let's, let's jump to coach Hill talking about the QB situation. Then we'll segue right into O-line situation and then chat a little bit about that. Yeah. Bronson's not going to play. He's, he's still day to day, but the reality of him playing this, Saturday and having him ready to go is probably not likely. I would say hopefully uh, we get him practicing here soon and then back up to full speed. So we're looking at Randall Johnson and Kylan Weiser, and uh, we need one of those guys to play great. And when um, was it the decision just to go with Kylan in the second half? Was that anything based at all with Randall in terms of injury? Did you just make the decision to, to go a different direction in the second half? No uh, mistakes. Uh, the turnovers hurt us bad in that first half. And I thought we missed some throws that were wide open, could have been game changers early. Even after the fumble that got returned and we went down 17-3, there was, yeah. there was stuff there that I thought the, the plays were that were the right things at the right time. And we just didn't take advantage of some of the stuff that was there. We put Kylan in and, you know, he really sparked us in the fourth quarter. I thought he played very well in that fourth. And so, um, yeah, that's what led to the decision. So we were already down our two starting guards, Ethan Atangi and, and uh, Ty Whitworth. And then uh, Salaji goes down, like second play of the game. And then we put Noah Atangi in at guard. And then, like, a next series later, George, George Barrera goes down at right tackle. And so Noah's got to go back to tackle. And then you're playing with a guard that hasn't taken any snaps. So, I mean, it's been – but that's college football. That's not something you whine about. That's just the reality of someone's got to be ready to step up in a crazy situation. And that's about as crazy a one on the O-line as I've ever seen. But we expect those guys back. So that's that's a – that's a key deal. So we expect those guys back and we'll be much healthier on the other line this week. Okay. So looks like we, uh, we, we had a lot of issues at offensive line last Saturday. We all know that. Uh, but coach Hill says they're going to be healthy. And then 
a couple of comments on, on the quarterback situation, Sean, what do you think? So there's, there's two, two things that I know about college football and football in general, the best teams have offensive lines that have played together for uh, lots of starts. Right. And, and trouble on the offensive line can lead to trouble at the quarterback position because uh, there's a lot of communication that goes up and down. There's a lot of assignments that have to be made. Uh, And, and so I'm, if, if our offensive line is, is that banged up, which it is, um, luckily we get a couple of kids back, but uh, I, that's, that's where your protection comes from. And that's, that's going to affect, you mentioned earlier, uh, Chappie, that, that we couldn't get some of those quick hit plays there because of the, the, the offensive line play. So I, I think we need to have the offensive line healthy. And it sounds like they're going to be a little bit healthier this week than they were last week, which gives me hope. Um, but I think coach Hill just admitted to all of us uh, from that, from those comments that he sees what we're, we're seeing that, that, uh, maybe Weiser is the better quarterback for this situation. Of course, uh, I think, I believe it was Brett Hine from the standard examiner that's reporting that both, uh, Weiser and, uh, Johnson took, uh, mixed snaps. Both were playing both with first team and second team, uh, this week. Um, so I would expect, I know that Johnson's, uh, QB one on the depth chart. That would, that was clear on Tuesday. I, I would expect we see, uh, Johnson get the start, but I'm going to think that he's got a very, very short leash this week. And if, if coach Hill or coach hammer don't like what they see as early as the first quarter, I think they make that change. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It, it, um, coach Hill is definitely more complimentary of, of Kylan Weiser, toward the end of that clip. Right. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. It was, it was actually, uh, Ty McPherson who kind of said that at the weekly press conference on Tuesday, I don't have that audio here, but he, he specifically mentioned that both quarterbacks were splitting snaps and that they were both on fire. You know, he, he liked the way they looked on, on Monday and Tuesday. So who knows? We, we shall see the offensive line thing is just amazing to me. I mean, that means that at guard, they were down to their, their fourth string guy. Right. I mean, that's, that's insane. That's, that's hard to do. And they were down another guy at tackle. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, Again, the successful teams have offensive lines that have played together for a long time. And offensive lines always been strong. It's all, it's a strong suit at Weber state. Yeah. We've got a a good tradition of of strong offensive linemen, uh, guys that have gone down to play in the league and, and we just need to get back to that. And I, I have faith that the guys are rehabbing and doing what they need to do to get back on the field. Um, it's still early in the season. I don't want to sound like we've just lost our entire season because of one game with JMU, but Weber's got to have a good showing against Davis. I mean, think about how important this game is against Davis tonight. The, you know, this is for the lead in the big sky standings, right? You got to start out with the win. We're at home. Um, this is the toughest game we can probably win out, but there's no, uh, the, the, the big sky's tough every week. We still got to go to EWU. I didn't mean we could win out the conference. I apologize for that. We still got to go to EWU. We still got tough games left. And if you, if you drop this one, you're in, you're out of competition for the automatic bid in the playoffs. And now all of a sudden you're, you're looking at resume. And if we've dropped a top 10 game to UC Davis and we've dropped a top 10 game to JMU, our resume isn't going to be there. And, and as we all know, playoffs is all about, it's all about seating, right? It's all about getting it's, those home games, getting those home games. That's exactly right. Need those home games. They are important. Um, in fact, uh, well, let's jump to those. There's actually a couple clips I want to share here um, from, from one from, from Ty McPherson on depth in the big sky. Since we're on the topic, why don't we just go to that real quick? I would say the big sky this year is the best conference in the FCS. I think for sure, looking at the first couple of weeks with FBS wins, good FCS teams, good wins, offenses are stacked in the F or in the big sky and the defenses are really good. So I, I, I would say for sure us and Davis are right there. Ewash, uh, Montana, Montana state with their new quarterback, they look really good. I just think it's hard to say anybody's, you know, outright right now. So, so there we have Ty McPherson kind of talking about 
the depth in the big sky. Um, we all know it's the deep. I, I, this year, it really does feel like the the deepest league. You know, I know the Valley tends to think that, but. Chappie, yeah. here's one thing you need to know. He listed half the big sky teams. And one team that he didn't list was Northern Arizona. The beat Arizona for the first time since 1932. Everybody that we've talked to would put Northern Arizona in the bottom half of the conference. And yet they have an FBS win, right? So not only an FBS win, a P5 win. Yeah, that's a Pac-12 team, right? Montana went into Washington, got a, got a, a, a win. Eastern Washington went to UNLV. Now, let, let's be real for a second. UNLV is not the strongest uh, Mountain West team, right? We all know that. Arizona is not the strongest Pac-12 team. But when those teams are getting in and getting those FBS wins, those are wins that Weber doesn't have yet, right? We've come close a couple of times, but we don't have an FBS win on our resume in the Jay Hill era. And where are we going to go when Northern Arizona can do that? And we've got to play them in October. You know, that's, that gets to be a, you know, I, we should beat Northern Arizona. I, you know, I, I have a, a very good friend that, that used to tell me that Weber was the team in the big sky. He hated because no matter how good he was a Northern Arizona grad always told me no matter how good Northern Arizona was, they always lost to Weber, right? The mentality is, is that we should never lose to Northern Arizona. And right now I'm not sure we can beat Northern Arizona. And if we want to be nationally ranked, nationally recognized power, top of the big sky, win a fifth straight conference title, we can't be losing to teams like Northern Arizona. And the big sky is deep and anybody can win on any given Saturday. So it's, it, it's, it's going to be a rough. And Montana state, you know, they almost beat Wyoming as well in week one. So there, there's quite a few there. All right. I want to wrap up JMU. There's one more clip we need to play here. Um, I wrap just to wrap up JMU coach Hill talking about uh, the defense versus JMU. Uh, the defense was solid in the first half. Um, there's a couple things and, and Jay Hill points it out very nicely here where things kind of went awry in the third quarter. Let's give that a listen to, and then we'll wrap up JMU. Well, here's what's crazy in the James Madison game. We gave up 109 yards in the first half on defense. And then we gave up 38 yards in the fourth quarter. And you play like that against James Madison, you usually win. And nobody plays like that again. It's James Madison for three quarters of the game. We played about as good as defense as I've seen. And we've played James Madison three times now. And that's about as good as I've seen him played. The dilemma is in the third quarter, we missed four or five key tackles that cost us 200 yards and three touchdowns. And so we, we've been working on our tackling, which that's never really been an issue, but it popped up, unfortunately. And I don't know what it was. We just didn't handle the adversity of the fumble the right way. That's not necessarily like us, but for whatever reason it was, we gave up more yards in that third quarter than we gave up in the rest of the game and, and by a lot. So uh, that's something that we got to fix. Uh, we got to handle adversity a little better. And then, and then we got, we can't miss those couple tackles that cost us so dearly. So there you have it, Sean Lewis um, defensive play. sounds like Jay Hill just obviously did not like what happened in the third quarter. He's right, right? That I he, look, Jay Hill's a football expert. I'm just a, a hack with a with a microphone here that that doesn't know anything. I never played it down in football in my life because my parents were. So, so I I'm not one to to criticize. Jay Hill's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. He's he's exactly right in in that uh, there were some big chunk plays in in that third quarter, and probably wouldn't have been chunk plays if we if we'd wrapped up. And I think that's the thing in that third quarter, JMU was able to break through those tackles and get to that second level that gave them the, those advantages again, missed tackles. Like that was the hard thing. I, I remember the one play very specifically. Um, I can't remember if it was Lavaca or, or Heckard, but like they had the, the play was there. They had the running back tied up in the backfield and he just, he just dove and missed him. Like, and he was the only guy there and the play yep. went for a long way. Yeah. And so the, the fact of the matter is, again, and I'm going to harp on this, we were statistically JMU's equal. Statistically, they're equal. I don't think they came in scared of JMU, but this is the JMU is the uh, Detroit Pistons to the late 90s Chicago Bulls, right? Or the early 90s Chicago Bulls. 
you've got to learn how to win. You've got to get past that team. And for us right now, until we can beat JMU, um, we're never going to be the team that we want to do. And it's going to take something special for us to get over the, the top. Frankly, I hope we get another shot at them at the playoffs. Cause I think it'd be a little bit different next time, but uh, the, we we've got to stop harping on this game and move on to the next one chat because <laughs> I, I'm fired up, but Weber's a good football team. We're going to have a good season. We just, we just got to put it all together and, and, and stop making the mental mistakes and, and the, those things that hurt us. Um, those unforced errors, the missed tackles, the penalties, the, the, the fumbles, the turnovers, those kind of things that, that are nothing that JMU did to us. It's what we did to us. And we've got to clean that up before we're going to be a national title comp- contender. 100%. It feels like the coaches feel like they've figured out how to coach against JMU. All right. It feels like they, they feel like they know on their third attempt here, how to do it. It's just a matter of execution. And just a couple quick numbers to wrap up here. Um, JMU had 359 yards of total offense to Weber's 312. Very comparable, right? Passing JMU had 177. Weber had 234. Rushing JMU had 182. Weber had 78. So it was a little bit flipped there. Weber usually has more rushing yards, but again, it was not, it was not a terrible tilt. It was not so wildly in favor of GMU. So anyway, we will move on. That game is over. We do have a good team. Yeah. But how different is that game? If we're going into halftime, 10, 10, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a, wildly it's a completely different game, different game. but the, that's water under the bridge. We've got work to do. And let's start tonight against UC Davis. All right. So, I got a good one for you here. We're going to start off our UC Davis coverage here with, with coach Dan Hawkins. Uh, He had his weekly press conference course on Tuesday as well. And they mentioned a little bit in Jay Hill's press conference that afternoon, some of the beat writers from UC Davis. Uh, Let's start out with Dan Hawkins comments on, uh, on playing Weber state this week. Uh, We go back to, uh, to Weber, uh, I should have bought a condo there. I don't think, I think there's a law that prevents Weber from coming into California, but we can go there. Uh, so we're very used to the hotel and the field and the trip. And uh, so uh, we'll be looking for some real estate in Ogden. Dan Hawkins, getting so, salty so, on us. So I'm, I'm going to say this, this is fantastic. I've been following Dan Hawkins since he was an assistant coach at Boise State uh, back in the day. He did great things at Boise State that Chris Peterson obviously built on. Didn't do so well at Colorado. He's back at his alma mater, UC Davis. Uh, I've been following his career for a long time. Always wins the press conference. But listen to those comments. UC Davis has the same complaint coming to Weber State that Jay Hill had. And and I can't remember if we're going to get to those or not, Chappie, but but Jay Hill had those same comments about going to Iwu and 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 uh, Montana. And the fact of the matter is, for whatever reason, the Big Sky Conference has not been able to balance the schedules so the teams are be, being treated equitably in where they're going on the road each season. Jay Hill mentioned that that Montana in his eight years has only been to Ogden once in the regular season. They obviously came in a playoffs, which is not something the conference did, but crap in it. And I understand the big sky's huge, but we should be seeing Montana in Ogden more than once every eight years. Let, let, let's be real with this. How that is not fair at all. And this is what our fourth or fifth trip up to that ugly, god-awful red field in eastern Washington that somehow, somehow is getting on ESPN2 next Friday night. Oh, man. So, good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, it's going to be a great game, but, but you know, people complain about the uh, blue field of Boise. Wait till they say the, re- the red field on ESPN. I, I can't wait for the Twitter meltdown of everybody saying, oh, no, my eyes. How can anybody play football on that thing? It, it is, it, it's the, the scheduling in the big sky has been unbalanced for years. Montana always seems to have a favor, favorable schedule where they get the teams that they need to beat at home. Weaver seems to always have the teams that we need to beat on the road. I can't quantify it. I don't know what it is, but we got to get uh, commissioner Wistersill to figure that out because we've had two different coaches given the same argument in different directions this week. Yeah, 100%. In fact, let's listen to that quote from, from Jay Hill. Uh, one of the, the UC Davis reporters asked him what he thought about UC Davis having to come here so much and what his thoughts on the unbalanced schedule was. And it, it's funny because if, when we listen to it here, he, 
he, he gives a, his response is I probably shouldn't comment on that. And then he comments on it. <laughs> so here we go. Well, the easiest way for me to say that answer that is not answer it. I just, yeah. my, my opinions really don't matter. Um, we get, we get to play who we play. I, uh, I do wish that it was, you know, that we would have certain times. I, I hate missing Montana and I hate missing certain teams. Uh, since, since I've been here, we've had Montana on our field one time in the regular season. Wow. That's it. And since I've been here, we've had Eastern Washington on our field one time and we're going up there for the fourth or fifth time this year. And, and that's where it just seems a little bit out of whack is how that happens. I have no idea. I know the conference is doing the best they can. Um, I don't know what the easy fix is and it's probably not my place to comment. So there we go. Jay Hill having uh, similar sentiments to Dan Hawkins about the, can I just add the to Coach Hawkins. Play. <laughs> Can I just talk to Coach Hawkins directly? Coach, I know a good real estate agent. If you need a practice facility in the Ogden area, we have room available. BDO is available. We can put something up together for you. You can make your Ogden your home away from home from UC Davis. Get out of California. Come come to uh, the the Holy Land of Utah, and and we'll treat you nice up here. Uh, and and you can make this your home away from home as you're traveling to Ogden every year. Even if it's just to be some, to coach some intramurals, brother. Yep. I did that. <laughs> that's a deep cut, Chappie. That's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. Somebody will get that. Two of you are laughing right now and that's okay. We'll take it. <laughs> so anyway, playing UC Davis this week, um, Wildcat fans will remember that Weber State played UC Davis at home in the spring just a couple months ago. Uh, Weber State won that game 18 to 13. My opinion was, I mean, that was my favorite game of the spring. Honestly, I, that was was a fantastic game. It was two very well coached teams going at it. And it was a great game and, and I'm excited. I mean, based off of that spring game and where we are right now, you know, I I was even beating the drum toward the end of the spring season that Davis should have, should have been a playoff team because from all the games we watched in the spring, they were good. They they may have been the second best team I saw Weber State play in the spring season. Chappie, would you put uh, their QB? Is it Rodriguez? Um, I I think I'd put him in the top echelon of quarterbacks in the Big Sky, if not the country. Uh, I know Barry A gets all of the uh, accolades, but uh, for getting his team to the W, uh, Rodriguez does a really really good job. Hunter Rodriguez is a phenomenal quarterback, and they had a phenomenal game plan. If you remember that game in the spring. Uh, and we'll go to team, some of TMAX comments on that next. But if you remember that game in the spring, I mean, Davis was, they were kind of taking it to Weber and then Jay Hill did what Jay Hill does. And they made some halftime adjustments and it, and it neutralized it in the second half and Weber state won the game. But Hunter Rodriguez was, was dang impressive in the spring. So was Alonzo Gilliam. They're running back that they, that was a fun. Seems like we couldn't tackle either one of them in the spring. Yeah. If, if you remember that game correctly, uh, the, the, you remember the play that the drive that kind of won the game for Weber was they came out in the second half and just went a no huddle. Right. And, yeah. and that was it. But, and then they, the defense locked down Davis so much that Hunter Rodriguez basically ran a QB draw or an option for like four or five, six straight plays. So, uh, so Weber has kind of had their number and they, they made second half adjustments and, and won the game, but it was, it was a, it was a very enjoyable game to be, to watch and to, to be at. So let me give you some some insight into UC Davis. They're averaging 44 points per game this season, but you have to put an asterisk next to that because they scored 53 against Dave, or, uh, San Diego and 60 versus Dixie. Uh, they played a couple of cupcakes in the FCS. San Diego is as good as as they were in previous season. And Dixie, we we that's the common opponent that we can look to in the fall. And and they put on the uh, the herd on Dixie. Um, they did ha- they do have an FBS win. They beat Tulsa with a field goal with 735 left in that game uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, so they've they've got one of those uh, notches in their belts of, of being a giant killer. Although again, Tulsa UNLV not exactly giants of the F- FBS world. But still, it's a win that we don't have here at Weaver. Uh, they're averaging 200 uh, yards rushing per game here in the fall so far, 284 yards passing per game. Um, and this is a key thing. You've got to keep them off a third down. 
they are converting 46% of their third downs uh, so far in the fall, which is in the top quarter of all FCS teams. So um, the other thing is you got to keep them out of the red zone. They're 14 to 16 in the red zone uh, scoring with nine touchdowns this year. So keeping them out of the red zone is going to be key for the Wildcats um, in our bend, but don't break defense. Yeah. A couple more stats to throw at you too. Alonzo Gilliam, the running back we referred to earlier, uh, he's got 315 yards already this season. Uh, the, the, the third highest rusher at UC Davis is Hunter Rodriguez, as we kind of alluded to earlier that he likes to run, um, on the passing side, Rodriguez 61 for 91, six touchdowns and one interception. He's having a heck of a fall already. Absolutely. All right. Well, to, to, to give a couple quotes here, let's go to, to Ty McPherson, um, on the UC Davis game in the spring. And then uh, we'll, we'll we'll also kind of give uh, his preview of what he thinks they're going to see see tonight. Up front, they were physical. They were you know really disciplined in gaps. It was a little harder to run the ball against them. We had a little success throwing the ball. There it was a rainy game, but we're we're watching a lot of film from that game. They have a lot of. I think they only have maybe two two guys gone on that defense. So corners safeties, linebackers, they're, they're good. So we just watching a lot of film preparing as much as we can and more for, uh, for how we uh, prepared in the spring. So. So it sounds like the team is watching a lot of film from the spring game, which they should. I mean, I, I think nearly everybody is the same on both sides of the ball. And it was just a few months ago. Um, one more here from Ty McPherson on just the overall play of UC Davis. Extremely experienced. I think that's one of the biggest things is I've now played probably, I don't know, five or six, seven of these dudes in the last couple seasons. So they're just, they're smart. They're disciplined. We like to compare them to our defense here at Weber. You know, they play similar coverages or, you know, a lot of them are strong, just good disciplined dudes. So we're excited for the challenge this week. There you have it. Sean Lewis. What are your keys to this game? What does Weber have to do to come away with a win? Points, points, points. Davis has only given up 17 points per game. Again, they played two FCS uh, cupcakes, but we've got a score. We've got a score in the red zone. Um, I think this is going to be a, a very similar game. Chappie, you have, what was the final score in the spring when we played them? 18 to 13. I'm almost guaranteeing you're going to see something like that score again where where it's going to be a low scoring first team to 21 gets the victory right that that feels like that that's what this this game is going to be so um if we can get our offense going i i think we'll we'll have a shot but this is going to be a grind them out game uh this 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 game feels like to me um and i don't know how to describe it's like that spider-man meme that you see on the internet all the time where you got the two guys dressed as spider-man pointing at each other these teams are almost mirror images um, and this is going to be a great one that's, that's one in the trenches, whoever can, can break through. And, and that's maybe where, uh, the, this, the teeter totter tilts towards, uh, Davis, uh, with the offensive line, uh, injuries that Weber state has, but, uh, this is going to be a good game and, and it's going to be a lot of fun to be there at Stewart stadium tonight. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great game. Um, if I were to give it my three keys, one, I wish, well, I wish we were had Bronson Barron back. Obviously, I mean we don't. It's it's tough going into these big games without without your team captain quarterback, right? That, that's going to be tough. But I don't think that this is a lost cause. I think we can win this game. I think if we go very rush heavy and and kind of play control ball like that, um, use our backfield depth between you know, Josh Davis and Dante McMillan and Chris Jackson. If, if we can control that, then I think we can win the game uh, going away. Now, of course that a lot of that depends on our offensive line depth um, overall to me, it feels like Weber state has a lot of the same issues that plague them in the spring, namely red zone scoring, unforced errors, missed opportunities. Okay. Those were three things that, really doomed Weber State in big games. I mean, if you remember correctly in the spring season, there were so many times where it felt like they made mistakes, but they would still come away with a late win, right? <laughs> Looking at you, UC Davis, Northern Arizona, and pretty much every other game, right? Yeah. Uh, and then it finally just came back to, to bite us in the butt against Southern Illinois, right? We just, we ran out of luck. 
But uh, to me, that's, that's the, those are the, those are the things, those, those still, those items I mentioned specifically red zone scoring, those need to be improved in order for us to win the game. That's what I said. Points, points, points. <laughs> it's important. So anyway, <laughs> got to score points to win. Um, one more, one more audio clip here for you folks. Uh, I want to play this one just because it was, it was one that I really liked from coach Hill. Uh, it was a great crowd last Saturday. Wouldn't you agree, Sean? It, that was a fun atmosphere. The tailgating was great. Um, fan fest was fantastic. I, I think we were really trying to do uh, some things to get the fans in the building. Sad that the outcome probably turned some fans away. Um, people locally here in the state of Utah love winners and, and they're going to come support a winner. And so um, hopefully we can get a good crowd here on Saturday and, and, uh, or here tonight, sorry, it is Saturday <laughs> here tonight and, uh, and, and show, uh, uh, turn around with the win. But uh, um, yeah, last, last Saturday night, that was as fun of a game, as good as a crowd as I've seen in a long time at Stewart's. You know, I, uh, I looked at my father-in-law in the game and I, I said to him, I said, uh, he's, he's who usually goes with me to the games with along with my kids. And, and I looked at my father-in-law and I said, this feels like a college football game, you know? And, and of course it's been a while in the spring season, there wasn't nearly as many people, but the student section was packed, right? There, there were more students than I've seen there in years. Yep. And a long time, long time. So, so good job. Whoever is responsible for that. Good job and keep doing it because a lot of us after the Southern Illinois game in the spring, we were, a little perturbed because there were literally two rows of, of students in the student section for a playoff game. So that was phenomenal. Uh, the band, having the band there, having a really good away crowd with JMU fans and just having a lot of Weber state fans, like the whole thing, the views, the, the noise, everything, it, it felt like college football and that is phenomenal. It didn't feel like third division European soccer. It felt like actual college football. So let's go to coach Hill's comments on the, on the home crowd and, uh, and we'll wrap up the show. Well, I mean, it's so much better. The, the college atmosphere when there's people cheering and yelling and screaming and going crazy is that's what it's supposed to be. And that's what makes this game great is the interaction with the fans and the fans getting excited about what's going on. And we need them out there. Uh, we need it for the atmosphere of the game and it's, it's good for them. I mean, flip that just, what else could, would you rather do than watch a football game on a Saturday in the fall? Coach Hill's right. What else are you going to be doing? What else is there to do? Go to the game. Yeah, I, lo I love his uh, dominant religious culture of the state of Utah uh, cursing there with flip. What are you going to do on a Saturday? That was fantastic. But uh, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. We, where's the wildcat rack on that one? We need that shirt stat. Um, no, I, he's exactly right. Good weather. It, there's no better place. It's, it's easy to get in and out of, of Stewart stadium. I, I know there's a lot of people that want to watch other teams, but, but Weber's got a window here. The Utah state plays at 10 AM. You're probably listening to this during halftime of that game. You got the Utes. Uh, the, their game is going to be over by two because it's no, uh, that's going to go to overtime because it's Washington state, but uh, they start at 1230. Um, six o'clock there's no other football in the state going on you got a top 10 fcs matchup um and then you can uh, be home in time to watch the second half of of the the cougs uh against some cupcake from florida yeah the game will be over by that point anyway so anyway also with that so the game is at six o'clock tonight stewart stadium bring your friends bring your family there is an offer bank of utah if you go look at the feed on facebook and twitter and anywhere else they are giving away four free tickets to anybody to the game. So really no excuse. Hope there's a good crowd tonight. Um, we'll be there in full force. Hey, Chappie, one other thing to, to just entice the people. I understand one of the best churro trucks in the state of Utah is not going to make their debut at uh, the game tomorrow night. So you can get some really, really good they, churros. You know, I, I, have not, I have not had a churrology churro but they were named the official churro of Weber state athletics today. That's we have an official churro. We're, we're battling the pac 12 for silliest sponsorships. And I'm, I'm I love it. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, no, every pack pack Stewart. Let, let's go and, and have a, a great game. And, and, uh, I, I think, uh, we can get away with a win, um, with, with the crowd home, home field matters if we were stated. 100%. And it's traditionally been a place where Weber's does just doesn't lose a lot of games. So with that, let's go into our final segment here. We call it around the sky. Uh, let's just talk about what games we have coming up this week in the big sky and just give you a prediction of who we think is going to win. So first up at 1 PM today, we have Sac state at Idaho state. That game is on ESPN plus Sean, who do you have in that game? I'm, I'm taking Sac state. Uh, they were uh, conference champs two years ago in the fall. Um, didn't uh, play in the spring or last year in the fall. Didn't play in the spring or however way that worked out with COVID. I forget. Um, but uh, Sac state over Idaho state, Idaho state has not looked good to me this fall. And it's, it's surprising that Idaho state hasn't looked good, honestly, because we, we all collectively collectively as a group felt like, they were one of the stronger looking teams in the spring, even though they weren't winning games. So yeah, things just aren't working up there. Uh, second up, we have Northern Arizona at university of Northern Colorado. That game is also at 1 PM on ESPN plus. I, I think this is a letdown for the lumberjacks. I think Northern Colorado gets it at home. Um, Northern Arizona coming off that big win against the uh, university of Arizona. Um, there's a chance this one's going to be close, um, but I'm going to give Northern Colorado the edge at home. And Northern Colorado seems excited to be out there. They've, they've been playing decently. Uh, next up, we have Cal Poly at number four, Montana. That game is also at one o'clock on ESPN plus. Uh, Grizz at Washington Grizz stadium. Um, uh, whatever the line is on that one, take, take, uh, take the Grizz and the points. 100%. Montana's rolling right now. They're riding sky high after that Washington win. Cal Poly is not. Bo Baldwin's still kind of working his way into that and trying to take that away from an option team. So, yeah, that will be Montana all day. Uh, next up, we have number 13, Montana State at Portland State at 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I doubt that Portland State will be giving beers to every person in attendance at the game, but that was a great promotion. That was fantastic. Really was, but 3000, 3000 was the number. He bought 3000 beers for everybody in attendance. That was, it's like, it's like a $14,000 beer tab for him on, on I, he posted the receipt. That was fantastic. Wow. But, but st- yeah. the thing that amazes me, I mean, free beer and only 3000 people showed up in, in all of Portland, man, look, there are some rumors swirling around the big sky in the last couple of days about Portland state and Iwu being a little bit frustrated, maybe not wanting to be members of the big sky anymore. You got to convince me why Portland state has a football team. Um, they just don't get the support there. I mean, the, Portland is not a college sports town. Um, I, you were going to ask me to pick this one. It's Montana, Montana state all the way in this game, but, uh, 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 Portland state, uh, there's no other options for you out there. Stay, stick with the sky and, and, and just deal with your lot in life that you're always going to be middle of the road. <laughs> is that too mean? No. Well, where would they go? Like, I, the only place that those two teams could go is like the Canadian conference from the, 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 that Idaho played that team that Idaho <laughs> played in week one, Simon Frazier. Yeah. From, it was from like Surrey, BC who knew there was a division two yeah. American football conference playing in, in, in Surrey, BC. So I guess if Portland state, hey. you would want to, they can go play those two teams in that conference. Listen, Portland State, if you're waiting for the Mountain Worst or the Pac 10.2 to make that phone call, get something else on your TV because that phone's not ringing. Right. All right. Um, next up, we have number six, Eastern Washington at Southern Utah. That game is at six o'clock, same time as Weber State's playing, also on ESPN. Plus. You know, Southern Utah is one of those teams that, that, I, they could beat anybody on any given day. Eastern Washington should win this one in a walk, but I'm, I got a hunch that Southern Utah wins this one late uh, at home. It's a t- the, the, the spectrum or whatever they call their stadium down there is a tough, t- tough uh, place to play. Um, the fans are loud. It's a tough road trip coming from Cheney. Uh, I, 
I just got a hunch that the EWU goes down in this one. Yeah. SUU just picked up their first win last week um, at Tarleton State. Um, Sean's picking the upset special. I just don't see anything stopping Eric Berrier in any way, shape, or form, unless unless it's my guy Davis, who I am, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the rest of his name other than that it's Davis, <laughs> unless Mr. Davis puts Eric Berrier on the ground early in the game and he's out. That's pretty much you're exactly right. Iwu is gonna is gonna sail this game, but I got to pick one upset, and that that's the one that I think is closest to being an upset. That's right. The landmark game of the day, uh, compared to all the ones that we've talked about, is our own. It's uh, number 12, UC Davis at number 14, Weber State tonight, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. If you can't make it to the stadium, uh, the game may or may not be on KJAZ. We're not going to admit that because you should be at the stadium. So, Sean, who do you have in this game? And give me a score. Uh. I, I think the Wildcats come back. Um, I think the loss of JMU put a, a bitter taste in their mouth, but Jay Hill's going to have them prepared. Um, I'm torn on this one because I, I'm not a Randall Johnson fan. I'm sorry. I just can't, I just can't get behind him. I don't know what's going to go on. Um, so I, I want to say Wildcats 2118. I'm a homer. I admit it. Um, but Wildcats 2118. Assuming Weiser plays three quarters. Okay. That is Sean's prediction. Um, I, well, number one, let me just say this about the game. How exciting is it that we have fun college football right here in, in Ogden? I mean, the whole joy of college football is that every week matters, right? When you are good at college football, every week matters because you need to win. And in this case, even though there's a playoff at the FCS level, I get that Weber state for the past few years has not just been playing for playoffs. They have been playing for playoff seating and this is big. So it's fun to have these types of games two weeks in a row, even if the result last week didn't necessarily go our way. So I am also going to pick Weber state in this game. Um, I think it focuses our team, the GMU performance last week. I think it hopefully galvanizes them. Um, I think it's going to be pretty close. I'm going to say uh, 24, 21, very similar to the last game, maybe just a few more points. My bet is that Weber state tries to play a little bit of a ball control game and, uh, and just run it down their throat. So there you have it folks. Uh, that is this week's edition of the Weber state weekly game day show. I want to thank my co-host Sean Lewis for hop- hopping on here. Uh, it's a fun time. Make sure you enjoy the game. Stay safe. And uh, we'll see you next week. Go Wildcats. Oh.